Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. About the process of discipleship. And uh, today's message is called A Dedicated Disciple. And what we want to focus on is that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Um, I know we prayed already. I just want to pray again uh, before, we even, before I even talk. So let, let's just pray. Um, Father God, I just pray, God, that um, you would open the ears of everybody here. Um, those who can't make it, open the ears on podcast. God, I pray that I would decrease, God, so that your word would increase. And um, Father, just make us attentive to what your word says about what we are to be as a disciple. God, we're going to look at some things that might prick us. So God, uh, have our attention this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Are y'all ready? Amen, amen, y'all. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Um, Jay, Tom, let me, uh, let me be here. So I want to open up with a, a, a thought behind discipleship. Um, going, growing up, and I grew up, in, I'm from Alaska. I used to get uh, my hair cut at the cheapest place possible. Um, wherever it was, that would include the tip. That would be the cheapest. And so I did that all the way from elementary, all the way until I graduated high school, until I got to college. And then when I got to college, I couldn't afford that anymore, so I had to figure out what am I going to do. I was in these prereq classes, and I met this dude named John. And John had a skill that I really liked. Um, one of those skills was that he could cut hair. And so I was like, hey, John, can you cut my hair? And so he was like, yeah, I'll cut your hair. We, we became friends, and I would see how he would hold the clippers. At a certain angle, you got to hold them, and he would change the clips. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. And so eventually one day, I was like, hey, John, can I cut your hair? And he was like, you want to cut my hair? Like, are you for real? And I was like, yeah, I want to cut your hair. I've been seeing how you hold the clippers. I've been asking you questions when you change the clips. And he was like, oh, man, all right. So he coached me through, um, he coached me through how to uh, hold the clippers and cut his hair. One thing about John is that um, his hair grew different than mine. His hair was like Chase's hair. It was like, you know, black folk hair ain't like my hair. And so John's hair, you got to hold the clippers and like, you can't just go up and down. You got to go sideways, down, right, left. So it was, it was hard. And um, I made it through and he gave me another chance and I was blessed. Thank God. But anyways, um, I kept having to only go to John to cut my hair. So I was like, you know, I need to, I need to show somebody else uh, how to cut hair so they can cut my hair. So I called my cousin Kai. Hey, Kai, I'm going to teach you how to cut hair. I've been cutting your hair for a while. I've been cut, I was cutting my family member's hair. I was cutting... Um, my brother, my, my Chris, I was cutting everybody's hair. And I was like, I need somebody to cut my hair because I keep texting John, hey, can you cut my hair? And I didn't want to keep texting him. So I trained my cousin Kai. Kai knew how to cut hair eventually. So Kai, I, would, I was comfortable with Kai cutting my hair. It didn't matter. It was going to grow back anyways. And then, um, well, I don't know, but one day we'll be bald, right? But so I trained Kai to cut my hair. And I'm in the military for y'all that don't know. And so I moved from Alaska to Guam. And in Guam, I was like, dude, Kai's not here. Who's going to cut my hair? So I was cutting my hair in the back. It was getting kind of funny. I couldn't really see. So then I had to train somebody up. So my prim, Eli, I, I taught him how to cut hair, how to hold the clippers, just like how John did, when to change the clips. And so Eli learned how to cut hair. And um, it was really cool because when, when, you're, when you're in a barber's chair, like you're at the mercy of the barber. You know, they turn your head and they, they talk stories to you and they ask you how's life. And so it was like discipleship, kind of like, 
I'm teaching somebody how to do this skill, how to, how to walk through this thing that they didn't know how to do. But then I need somebody to, to help me. And then in turn, Eli and Guam would go to the University of Guam and cut, cut some of the students at the dorms hair. And it was real cool just seeing that process um, revolve itself. And that's my example of how discipleship was um, for me. And so in the same way, um, I want to recap two things um, that, that I feel like we all, we all at Luminous Church really need to know. One, Pastor Ben already talked about it last week, and that's what a disciple is. He said that a disciple is somebody who has relationship with God, has relationship with other believers, and then has relationship with the unbeliever. Needs to have those three relationships in place. I think that's very important. And the second very important thing that we have to know is what is the purpose of church? Why do we come here on Sunday in a movie theater? And why do we meet throughout the week? Well, the purpose, the God-given purpose for church is discipleship. Everybody say discipleship discipleship. So that's what it is, um, and that's what the purpose of church is, and as the church, all that means is that we're the called out ones. Jesus called us, bless you, Jesus called us out of the world, right? We were in the world, Jesus called us out, so we're the called out ones, and um, Jesus was on mission, and he asks us to be on mission. He fulfilled that mission, and now he asks us to carry, to continue to carry it out. It says in, in John 20, 21, that as the Father sent me, I also send you. That's Jesus saying that I also send you. He sends us, guys, to go into the world, create disciples. And so God just doesn't want us to send us out ill-prepared. He wants us to be prepared. He gives us tools. He gives us the Word of God. He gives us His Holy Spirit. He gives us other believers. And so Paul tells us in Colossians, Colossians 1.28, it says, We proclaim Him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So think about that. Paul is telling the church of, of Colossians that, that they're teaching. The reason why they're teaching is that they want to present everybody mature in Christ. So think about that, that word, maturity. We want to be dedicated disciples who, who mature in their walk. We don't want to look back 20 years from now sitting in these same pews thinking that there's no growth and that we haven't seen growth in ourselves and within the church. Amen? Um, one thing that I thought was cool that Pastor Ben said last week was that uh, he, as far as discipleship, we don't want to create a bunch of mini-me clones. Like, we don't want that because we're all unique. We come from different backgrounds. We have different stories. We've come through different trials. And so Pastor Ben made a good point. Hey, we don't want to create mini-me clones. All we want to do is point people to the Savior. And then like Paul said in Colossians, we want to help them become mature in Christ. Does that make sense? All right. Um, one more profound thing before I get into the meat of the message, and that is everyone is a minister. Pastor Ben said that last week. So it's not the speaker who's up here who's the minister. It's not your community group leader who's the minister. We are all ministers. Everyone say, everyone a minister. Everyone a minister. And so what that means is we don't have to have a theology degree, although some of you do have that. We don't have to be pastors, although there's some ex-pastors here in, in Luminous Church. Um, those are great things, but we don't have to be that. We just have to know Jesus. Amen? Everyone a minister. So our target, what we're trying to hit today, is that we want to focus on what a disciple is. And a disciple, a dedicated disciple, is a follower of Jesus. And so our text is going to be in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 14. Um, in this, uh, Luke was written by a physician. Uh, he was a Gentile. That means he wasn't a Jew. Um, this was written after Matthew and Mark, probably in the 70 uh, to 80 A.D. 
And um, particularly in chapter 14, we're going to see that Jesus was on his way from Judea to Jerusalem, and he was on mission. What was he going to do in Jerusalem? He was going to Calvary, and he was carrying out his mission to die on the cross. And he, he knew he had a plan. He was going there. And so we're going to see in Luke chapter 14 that Jesus, there's a, there's a large crowd, and, and they stopped Jesus. So um, let's go ahead and turn there. If you could turn uh, your Bibles, or it might even be on the screen. Uh, Luke chapter 14 is what we're going to be in, 25 to 30. Luke 14, 25 to 30, and I'm going to read from the HCSB version. It says, Now great crowds were traveling with him, so he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, for which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to make fun of him, saying that this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. So point number one, a dedicated disciple loves God more than family. A dedicated disciple of Jesus loves God more than family. So you see that in Luke 14, 25 and 26, it says, now great crowds were traveling with him. So he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So here's Jesus. He's on, he's walking, traveling from Judea to Jerusalem. And what does it say in verse 25? It says that there's great crowds around him. So imagine he's walking, he's traveling, and there's all these people. And it says he turned to them. So Jesus is walking and he turns to them. And sees this great crowd, and he's like, do y'all really want to follow me? Do you guys really want to follow me? If you really want to follow me, you have to hate your mom. You have to hate your brother, your sister. You have to hate your own life. And so I want to talk about that. The first point is that he wasn't a crowd pleaser. He didn't tell, turn around and tell the crowd that, you want to follow me? My, your life will be great. It'll, you'll receive blessings. You'll have money in the bank account. You won't receive persecution. He didn't say that. He said, you want to follow me? Like, you have to hate yourself. You have to hate your family. So what does that mean? That's the Greek word, miseo. And that Greek word is a comparative. It's not uh, a cynical hate. But that means in comparison to the love that you have for Jesus, everything else pales in that. Everything else is down here. Your love for Christ is up here. That's what that hate means. So, so we have to miseo our brother, our sister, our mom and dad, our family. And so... I was thinking about that. Like, my wife is right here. I love Liz. I love her. God was really good to me when, he, when I met Liz in Guam. But my love for Christ is greater than that. I love you, babe. And I know, I know it's the same way. I know, I, know she, I know she loves me. But I know that her love and dedication for Christ, I pale in comparison to that. You know what I mean? And for those of you that don't know, there's a baby girl growing inside of Liz's, Liz's belly right now. She's, yeah, praise God. She's 19 weeks pregnant. We do crazy things. We sing songs. We talk. Liz listens to worship music to the baby girl. I'm going to call her Kukunuku. I don't know. But anyways, there's a baby girl growing in, and I love that baby girl that's growing right now. And, um, but my priority for Jesus is higher than my priority for that growing baby girl right now. Amen? And um, it says in the text, your mom and dad, I love my mom and dad, you know what I mean? They taught me all I know. They kept rice and spam in my stomach growing up. 
They kept a roof over my head. Man, they were the epitome of hard workers. And so, but they're going to get old one day and I need to love them. But my love for Jesus needs to be more, amen? And our love, our love for Jesus needs to be more than even the love that we have for our parents. And so, thinking about applying that verse, we see... Um, in Matthew 6, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Think of that first part. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we look at this first point, and we see that our, the, the, the whole point of this, guys, is that we need to get our priorities right. Amen? Jesus needs to be number one, more than mom, dad, wife, husband, even our own lives. Does that make sense? All right. Uh, and I'm... I'm not pointing fingers. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I was looking back, and I, I even struggle with this order of priority too. You're not alone. We're in the same boat together. I'm not, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself too. I'm letting the Holy Spirit convict me too. Amen? Amen. Um, but before we move on to the point number two, look at, look at the end part of uh, verse 26. It says, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So he didn't stop just hey, you got to miss your, your, your father, mother, brother, sister. He says, yes, even your own life. And so that leads me to my second point. Second point, a dedicated disciple of Jesus requires self-denial. Look at verse 27. It says, whosoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Sometimes there's a debate about what it means to bear your own cross what that means is that we have to lay down our lives and surrender to the will of God. That's what bearing our own cross means. And think about the cross of crucifixion. The Romans used that type of, uh, of execution. It was very painful. It was very humiliating. A lot of the times those people were, were half-dressed, hanging on the cross. It was very painful and very humiliating. Jesus is saying, remember, there's a large crowd following him. He's like, do you guys really want to follow me? You really want to follow me? Pick up your own cross and follow me. So what he was saying was, there's going to be humiliation and persecution, all right? That's what you're going to face. So go ahead. Surrender your will. Surrender your will to me and follow me. That's what Jesus was saying. So quick illustration on that. Uh, for those of y'all that don't know, like I said in the beginning, I'm, I'm in the Air Force. And, um, and uh, I'm a, I was commissioned as an officer. I just so happened to be a nurse in the military. And um, sometimes in, in support of the wartime mission, we deploy to scary uh, remote places. And so about a month ago, I got a call and I said, uh, it wasn't a call. I was actually at work. They're like, Hey, you're deploying to Afghanistan. I was like, dog, you don't tell me the, the beginning of my shift that I'm deploying to. If you guys are ever military bosses, tell your people like at the end of the day or at the end of the week, because for about 45 minutes, I was like, oh, man, I'm deploying in October. Like, Oh my goodness. I got to get a will. I got to do this. I got to do that. I was thinking about all these things. Didn't have that and so I was like, Lord, man. So, but think about that. Um, because of my sworn allegiance to defend the country and defend the Constitution against enemies foreign and domestic, I was like, man, this is going to suck. It's going to stink. I'm going to go to a faraway place. But I have to go because of my sworn allegiance. And the same way our sworn allegiance to Christ, he says, hey, pick up your cross and follow me. So I was thinking about that, and I was like, man. We have a volunteer a military. People aren't, aren't forced to go in right now. And, I mean, unless your mom dragged you to the recruiting office and said, take my son in the military. That's, the, that's the, maybe the only way that you're going to get in the military forcefully. 
But anyways, so so that deployment tasking, it, it really shook me like, and it made me think about this, this verse, bearing my cross and surrendering my will. I, I surrendered my will to, to the Air Force and the military to defend the Constitution. So we're surrendering our will to Jesus Christ. And so um, I was thinking about that. Well, actually, before I continue, I've, I was taken off the deployment tasking. Actually, praise God. Two weeks ago, I got an email. And it, yeah, we can clap. Two weeks ago, I got an email. Uh, and I said, hey, uh, you're taking off the deployment tasking. I was like, what? Are you for real? So I was happy. I wasn't complaining, and then um, I confirmed it because I was like, are you, are you for real? And then they were like, yeah, I'm for real. So I was like, all right, as long as you're for real. But here's the thing. If they come back and short task me to deploy, it's going to stink. I'm going to moan and groan. But in the end, because of my sworn allegiance, I got to go. You know what I mean? I'm going to miss out my, my baby's birthday on our second year anniversary. I'm going to miss out on Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day, all those things. But because of my sworn allegiance, I got to go. You know what I mean? So, um, this thing about following Christ and being a dedicated disciple, that is, it's not something to be taken lightly. And that's what Jesus, he sees this big crowd around him. And he's like, guys, this isn't something to be taken lightly. Please don't take it lightly. Please, please think about what I'm asking, what you guys are doing right now and, and what I'm asking you to do to follow me. It means that you're, you're giving up all these things. Does that make sense? Remember, remember what, uh, what the cross meant? means painful and humiliating. I told Stephen when I was going to talk about him. Um, it's going to be painful and humiliating, you know what I mean? Like, maybe we're not going to have the same amount of friends. I'm not going to call Stephen. That boy doesn't even drink and party. He's not going to be no fun. Like, or you ever been called, like, a Bible thumper? Like, experience ridicule? Or what about trying to, to have a conversation about what marriage looks like? popular view of what marriage looks like is different than than what than what the bible teaches like how did that conversation go what, were you the popular view probably not well, maybe in texas but probably not in other places anyways um when jesus says come after me i i think the esv i don't know what it says anyway some translations say follow but i thought that um the original meaning come after me like pursue me pick up your cross and don't just sit there. Don't pick up your cross and don't just get comfortable in your community group. Pick up your cross and don't get comfortable coming to church on Sunday. But pick up your cross and follow me. Pursue. Come after me. Does that make sense? Amen. Um, this leads me to point number three. That a dedicated disciple of Jesus uh, counts the cost. So point number one, a dedicated disciple of Jesus loves God more than family. Number two, it requires self-denial. And then number three, a dedicated disciple of Jesus counts the cost. Let's look at Luke uh, 14, 28 to 30. It says, For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he's laid the foundation, he cannot finish it, and all the onlookers will begin to make fun of him, saying, This man started to build and wasn't able to finish. So this verse makes it clear that before, before a person even decides to, to build, that they have to calculate all the intricate details. Think about that. They have, do I have enough money? Do I have enough wood and supplies and screws and nails? Do I have enough manpower? Am I going to be able to complete this task in the time that the, the, the customer wants me to do this? Like We have to calculate all those intricate details. And in that same way, Jesus is saying, hey, before you just jump in, and say, I'm going to follow you and just 
follow Jesus all willy-nilly, not even thinking about what the implications are. He's saying, hey, stop, pump your brakes, like consider the cost, count the cost of what it is, just in the same way as we would be building a house. Does that make sense? Um, so my illustration here is that in spring 2014, Liz and I went to her home, her home island. Her home island is called Chuk, and uh, it's a Micronesian island in the northern Pacific area. And then um, there's, a, there's a bunch of islands in, in Chuk, but uh, Chuk is just, is, just, uh, is just one part of, of many countries that make up Micronesia. And so anyways, it's this tropical island, super small. On the island that we went to there, there weren't even any cars. We had to get there by boat. Um, actually, the, the only, uh, that island is called Toti. The other island, the main island, is the only one with vehicles, and that island is called Wura. So we took a boat from Wura to Toti, and Toti is, is an island that Liz's family, um, they actually maintain. It's the Hartman Island. That's, that's her maiden name. And so when you get, we pulled up a boat to this island. In the middle of this island, it was something like out of Jurassic Park. There's vines. There's these huge stairs coming out of the middle, like probably longer than those stairs there. It's, it was crazy, and it was built a long time ago. And so there's those stairs, and then there's this huge construction house, but it wasn't, it's not complete. It's just like the skeleton of the house. And her aunt was telling the story of how her uh, great-great-uncle, uh, Frederick, yeah, Frederick Hartman, he was a marvelous architect. Ahead of his time, he constructed this thing in Chuk. And think about it. In, in her island, a lot of the houses are shanty shacks. They're made of scrap wood. They're made of scrap metal. Um, only the fortunate people can, can, can piece uh, houses made of concrete. So here's this thing that was built a long time ago with vines covering it and huge staircase and, and this elaborate construction in the back. And Liz's aunt was giving us a tour and was like, hey, he never finished the job. And actually, because of uh, a strong addiction to alcohol, a lot of the men turned to alcohol and never really focused their attention on this beautiful thing that they had in this island. And I'm not sure if the other islands in Chuk have this. I'm pretty sure they don't. Because even the main island didn't really have anything beautifully constructed like this. It was crazy. But I give you that, that example because Liz's aunt even ridiculed the men. Like, they didn't even finish this beautiful construction that our family could have maintained. We could have kept it. We could have kept the upkeep and it would have been easy. But instead, the men, they men, the men got wayward in their following of this task. If you can't relate to that, I thought of another story. Like, Imagine you're buying a D.R. Horton home or a KB Builders home, San Antonio suburb style, you know what I'm saying? And they did everything. They put stucco on the outside. They gave you marble floors. Your bathroom was really nice, but you didn't have a kitchen. So then you go over and you're like, hey, did you guys see Jared's new house? Nice outside. Bathroom was cool. But he didn't even have a kitchen. So it was complete. You guys would probably ridicule me, right? Like, I couldn't even eat at his house. We had to order takeout. We couldn't even eat it in the kitchen. Anyways. Just wanted to give you two examples. If you couldn't relate to the tropical island, then you could relate to the suburb home. Both of those were half constructions that, that weren't complete, right? And people experienced ridicule. And Jesus is asking us, hey, guys, just as you would think about all the intricate details, I want you to think about the intricate details of building a home as before you would follow me. And so... Um, a lot of us thinking, and, I, and even, you know, I've, in the past I thought about this, like, I said yes, I prayed that prayer, like, I'm good, I'm good, I said yes, like, I repeated that thing that they said at the end of church, but that's just the beginning, guys, that's just the beginning of the followership, you know, does that make sense? So just, just saying yes, that's just the beginning, amen?
Um, I was thinking about this and, and the ridicule, and I, and I was thinking that the ridicule for somebody who goes wayward, what it means, the implication that that has, the implication that it has on the church, the implication that it has on the believer, and the implication that it has on Christianity. Think about it. Say I'm that follower, and I go wayward, and then you guys are like, oh, did you see Jared? He was doing X, Y, Z. I thought he was a Christian. Or what church does he go to? Luminous? See, that's a strike against Luminous. And then that's a strike against me. And again, guys, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying, like, before we say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Like, he says, hey, guys, hold on. He's talking to the crowd. He says, hey, count the cost. Count the cost. Does that make sense? All right. You know, I believe, I believe in unmerited grace. I believe that Jesus actually leaves the 99 to go get the one that went wayward. And I'm not, and I'm not downplaying that. I really do believe that. But I don't think we, that we should take advantage of that grace. Does that make sense? All right. So, um, we, you know, we, we're talking about a couple of things this morning. Um, Jesus is basically saying, follow me. He's saying, follow me. Um, I don't want to get too much into that passage because we're going to be there next week. But in Matthew uh, 4, 19, Jesus, he's talking to two brothers, Peter and Andrew, while they were fishing. And he says, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Pastor Ben's going to talk about that. I don't want to get into that. But basically, that followership, being a dedicated disciple, it requires a response. Amen. So um, we talked about three points this morning. I'm, I'm bringing this in for a close, guys. So almost uh, my, my countdown says 25 minutes and there's something coming up. I don't know what movie it is. Anyways, I'm bringing this in, okay? Dedicated disciple of Jesus. Number one, what was it? Loves God more than family. Number two, it requires self-denial. And then number three, that we have to count the cost. Amen. And uh, like I said in the beginning, Jesus, he, he wasn't uh, a crowd pleaser. And um, thinking about those things, like are we really followers of Jesus Christ? Have we, have we loved God more than our family? Have we counted the cost? And have we really denied ourselves? Have we done those things? And, and I'm submitting that this morning that we might even need to rededicate his priority in our life. Because um, in the end, it's not going to be about how well did we raise our children, although that's good. We, we need to be good parents. It's not about what position we got at work, although that's good. That'll help us out, right? It's not even going to be about what social justice activities we were involved in. Although that's good. Those are good things, guys. I'm not, I'm not downplaying them. But what it's about is followership. Did we follow Jesus Christ? Knowing what a follower of Jesus Christ is, we're going to be looking at that for these next eight weeks. Ask yourself, am I following Jesus Christ? And so... Um, I wish, man, I wish we had time to go through the rest of chapter 14. If you do, please go look at it. He talks about salt, and a little bit before that, he talks about going against an army twice your size. Can you imagine going against an army twice your size? That's with that same consideration Jesus wants you to consider before following him. So anyways, guys, we're just sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. And the world, the world is full of lions. Like I said in the beginning, the church Church just means called out ones. We're, that's, we were in the world. We've just been called out. Jesus sends us on a mission. We're sheep. We're sent into the world full of lions. Have you all seen Discovery Channel? Has anybody ever seen a sheep overtake a lion? No, right? 
But if we, if we have relationship with the shepherd, we can overtake the lion. And we're not trying to overtake the world. We're trying to love on them. That's not what I'm, this illustration is portraying. This illustration is portraying we're sheep. And unless we're yoked with the shepherd, we're going to lose in this world. We may think that we can make it, but we can't, guys. We can't. We need the shepherd. Amen? We need the shepherd. And so I'm going to ask you some rhetorical questions. Just think about these things. Have you come to accept Jesus as Lord? Yes? No? Was it 20 days ago? Was it 20 years ago? Have you grown since that time? Have you helped somebody else grow? Have you helped them mature along? Have we lived out Colossians like Paul was saying? Are we getting comfortable? Are we bearing our cross? In the beginning of this message, I asked there were probably going to be two groups. One group is that you're already a follower of Jesus Christ. And in a moment, I'm going to probably ask you to dedicate yourself to consider his priority in your, in your life. And then the second group that this, that this message hit is probably you're not a follower of Christ. You've been thinking about Christianity. And what I want to tell you is that this relationship with Jesus liberates you. This is the best relationship in the world. I love my wife, and I, I love you guys. I love my friends and family. But this relationship with Christ is something else. It liberates us. It frees us. We don't have to be trying to be a good person anymore, guys. It liberates us. So here's what my heart is. My heart is so that Luminous Church would be a dedicated disciple. We would be dedicated disciples of Jesus to carry out this mission. This is our mission, guys. We exist to release our resources to reach the campus the community, and change the world with the light of Jesus Christ. That's why we're luminous. We're illuminating the light of Jesus Christ here in San Antonio. Okay? And that's my heart. That's Pastor Ben's heart. That's Jay Thomas. That's everybody's heart. Is so that we would be changed, dedicated disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to ask, um, if, you, if you want to miseo, like hate comparatively your family, yourself, if you want to self-deny your, your will and follow Christ's will, and if you want to consider and count the cost, if you want to reaffirm yourself this morning, I would ask that we would take a stand. Remember I said it takes a, uh, a response. I would ask that if you want to do those things this morning, that you stand to your feet. And I don't care if nobody stands, and I don't care if the whole church stands. I just want us to consider Please, guys, you know, don't stand if, 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 if you don't want to consider what that means. Internally ask yourself, I'm going to have to hate my mom. I'm going to have to hate myself. And so I'm going to surrender my will. Man, I love you, God. Thank you. Guys, I want us all to be dedicated followers of him. Guys, I see there's some of us standing, and, and uh, I just want to pray. We don't have to get all emotional. Remember, I said it's not about the prayer. It, this is just the beginning, just saying yes. Amen. So those of you that are standing, can you repeat after me? You say, dear God, I want to be a dedicated disciple. I want to count the cost. I want to love you more than my family. And God that I want to deny myself. Father, forgive me for getting any of this priority 
out of whack. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for being my shepherd. Thank you for being my savior. Continue to lead my life. Amen, in Jesus' name. Guys, let's give the Lord a clap offering, guys. Amen. The rest of us, can we, can we just stand together? I'm going to dismiss. Um, check it out, man. Discipleship, it doesn't happen over the pulpit. Discipleship doesn't happen here. Discipleship happens for those of us that, can our prayer workers come forward, please? If you ask Jesus, and today was the first time you've ever dedicated your life to him, can you speak to one of our prayer workers? The reason why is I want you to really understand what that decision to being a dedicated follower means. Talk to these guys afterwards. And, and please, um, the second group, if you're already following Christ, then I'm going to ask you to challenge yourself. Look at your schedule and get involved in community group. Not because community group numbers are dwindling, but because this discipleship thing is about relationship. We can't have relationships sitting in a chair on Sunday morning listening to a speaker up here. Discipleship happens throughout the week. We live life together, you know what I mean? And that's what it's about, guys. So if you're not in community and you're already a follower of Jesus, I just ask you to look at your schedule, maybe rearrange some things, and look for a way to get plugged into a community group somewhere. Community group is just a group that meets throughout the week, and, um, and we just live life together. I'm going to dismiss. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today, God. Um, May we live out our faith, Father. May we be the light here in San Antonio, God. We thank you, Father. We just pray that everyone here who, who heard this message, God, may you challenge us. God, challenge us to be dedicated disciples of you. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, guys. You're dismissed.